Today's program is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And I'm Carmen DeVito. And we bring the culture to horticulture. So today's culture basically is that of the techno gadget, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes. The app. <laughs> the app. We are wrapping up today our three part series on technology and horticulture, talking about a garden app that has really helped change. The way we garden. Um, it's actually just this topic that got me started with landscape design, actually, with my love of bettering spaces and planting plants to engage passerbys and to get them stimulated with the environment. Early on in our horticultural history here in America, neighbors met and discussed and talked about events, um, mainly farming, because we're an agricultural. Um, culture. That's how we began. So we met at the market, right? At the public town square. We mm-hmm. talked about gardening. We talked about our agricultural co- uh, crops. We talked about the weather. We gossiped about neighbors. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. Um, yeah, just, just all the things that make up a community, right? We traded seeds. Mm-hmm. We traded information on crops. So Let's fast forward, right, into today, and now we really transmit and communicate generally via text and via some sort of app and via technology. So, exactly. (laughs) Virtual gardening. Virtual gardening. (laughs) Thank you, Dave. (laughs) I love that. So today, we are going to talk with um, the app called Grow It Mobile. And this has really realized the communication potential of, of uh, sharing information because it is community-based and community-geared. Yeah, it's not a one-way kind of street where somebody goes and gets information. Right. It's, uh, so it's called Grow It, and it lets you garden socially for free. We have as our guest today Megan Utoven. Megan, I hope I pronounced your name right. <laughs> um, she is the community engagement manager for the mobile app community Grow It! Exclamation point. Um, she spent her career championing customer-centric, mission-driven products with a dedicated focus on improving services to align with business objectives. Prior to her role at Grow It, she managed a community for digital and social media executives at Big Brands. Welcome, Megan, and thanks for joining us. 
Awesome. Can- yes, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, Alice and Carmen. Uh, really excited. Thanks for having me. So when I was when we had the idea to do this technology and horticulture series, of course, there's a lot of apps out there. Yeah. Um, and I looked at them all, and I kind of played around with them. Um, Carmen and I spend a lot of time identifying plants. You know, we take pictures a lot. We send them to our friends and the the growers that we work with, and we say, "What the heck is this? What do we do with this?" Blah the blah blah. The extension agents. The extension agents. Mm-hmm. Right. The thing about all these apps, and there's several of them, what I liked most most about Grow It was the community aspect of it. So, Megan, can you shed some background information on digital communities um, for our listeners? Yes, uh, sure, I'd love to. Well, to start, I loved the, the Times Square analogy that you used to set up this conversation. So people meeting in the marketplace, talking about the weather, asking questions about what they're growing and collaborating and just helping each other along their journey. That's exactly what we're trying to replicate on Grow It uh, in the digital sphere. Um, So as you mentioned, uh, digital communities are something that companies are starting to leverage for specific goals. Um, So there may be some communities that uh, your listeners and your audience may be a a part of, and they don't even necessarily realize that they're part of this um, online community. (laughs) That's the scariest part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's someplace where you're turning to for help, and and you may not even necessarily realize that it's been set up as a community. So an example of that is... uh, There's companies that will leverage support communities where um, their clients can help each other out. So T-Mobile is a great example of that, where they have a community where uh, me as a T-Mobile customer can go and talk to other T-Mobile customers about phones, about services, about glitches, and be able to get support that I need um, without necessarily needing to, to, um, you know, talk to a T-Mobile representative. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's other types of communities, like, like product communities, where companies are leveraging them to get really good insights on their products. Like, what, what should we do next with this? Is this product going to work? Are people going to buy it? So mm-hmm. um, an example of that is Dell of uh, Dell's Computers has IdeaStorm, where they'll give um, special Dell uh, customers and community members um, early product releases or maybe some insider information mm-hmm. looking for that feedback to make sure that they're delivering the very best product to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then there's there's communities like Grow It that are built around um, engagement of a, of a particular topic. So beyond Grow It, my favorite example of this is Sephora's Beauty Talk, where you can go online and, and meet with other Sephora customers that are sharing you know, video tutorials on how to apply makeup or sharing recommendations or, or getting advice uh, just on, on the products that they can buy there. Yeah. That's what, so of the apps that I looked at um, and, and what I just said is the community aspect was was so important to me because I think that's really where the best information is learned and shared. Um, there's a lot, you know, of course you can verify it, right, by going to the botanical garden websites, 
But this just gets people stimulated. It gets them talking about plants. You know, then all of a sudden you start having like pockets of friends. Like you've got your plant friends, you've got your kitchen design friends, you know, your book friends, like whatever you're interested in. And you can really build a community. Um, So can you tell us some fun facts about the app? Sure. Uh, So Grow It is uh, a mobile app community. We have 230,000 members across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, We have uh, 50% of the users of the the app are under the age of 35. And one of the the goals that we set out um, to achieve when we launched Grow It was really bringing in the millennial audience into gardening. Mm -hmm. We wanted them to get get excited, to be talking about it, to be collaborating, to be buying plants. And so we're thrilled uh, with that that young audience demographic that we have. So tell us... um Tell us some – Carmen and I love analytics. Mm-hmm. It, it, really, it really drives us. We spend a lot of time thinking a lot about trends. And mm-hmm. tell us, like, some of the favorite plants that are most searched on the app and some of the least liked plants, etc. Yes. So we've got a ton of data. So, so you and Carmen would be, would be very happy to, to be looking through all of the information that we have. But one of the uh, most searched plants that we see season after season um, on Grow It uh, are succulents. Mm. And we, we see that because of a couple of different reasons. So one is that younger audience that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials love the um, low-maintenance, really cool-looking succulent plants, and Mm -hmm. so they're searching for a lot of them. But then we also see them being utilized in uh, California, Arizona, New Mexico, where they're looking for plants for drought-tolerant landscape. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, succulents, and then what are good companion plants for those those dry areas. Mm -hmm. And what was the least favorite? (laughs) Or we should say least, (laughs) I guess, least... Yeah, searched or most like hated obscure. Plants. Most hated. <laughs> it, it is so on Grow It. Every plant, um, the the members have an opportunity to either recommend it or leave it. Right. So would I recommend that that my friend, that my neighbor, that my grandma plant this plant? You know, have this plant be part of their gardening journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the leave it, the the leave it that we see consistently is an indoor corn plant. Um, <laughs> well, they haven't I gotten not, hip now. I have not um, seen one in, in the flesh. <laughs> I have not seen one in person. But I, I did have a, a colleague tell me that, that there is an odor that comes along with that plant. So, so that might be part of the reason why, well, why to, people do not recommend it. To me, it reminds me of walking the, the mall, like in mm. 1982. Or a dentist <laughs> office or the dentist in the 70s. <laughs> where it's like dusty in the corner and it's got it's nothing like a corn plant. Corn plant is I mean no, it's, it's not it's right. not at all beautiful and yeah, not at all it is like a bad it, plant. It's just a bad yeah, I have to agree. I would leave it. I would leave it as well. I would not uh, I So would not. how do you find and obtain your users? So we do have a presence at some in-person events. We we had the opportunity to be at the Philadelphia Flower Show, the Seattle Northwest Flower Show, Chicago's Flower Show, and we do some partnerships with public gardens, botanic gardens across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but really we find most of our users or most of our users find us 
online. Uh, so we have a presence on Pinterest, on Facebook, on Twitter. We've got a blog and the website. Uh, and we come up when people turn to Google or turn to Pinterest and are asking, um, you know, what's a good plant identification tool mm-hmm. or what's a good, uh, you know, plant for uh, this type of light or this zone. Um, and then Grow It comes up basically in our search options as a great resource tool for those questions. So can you tell us how um, how the app was, like, gener- like, generated? How, what was the history of the, the idea for this app? Yeah, because yeah. it was started by Ball Horticulture, right? No? It, it was. So the two co-founders are Seth Reed and Mason Day, and they both worked um, for Ball Horticulture, which is um, a large, you know, breeding and plant distribution company. It's a global company. Mm-hmm. And Seth was in a sales capacity at Ball, uh, so he was traveling around to different independent garden centers around the Midwest, and he was asking the owners and the management, "What problems do you have? What can I, what can I help you solve?" Mm-hmm. Um, and he heard time and time again that their clientele was skewing older, that they were having a hard time getting millennials to, to find them, to come in, to buy plants. And uh, so that was sort of the catalyst and the problem that, that Seth went out to solve. You know, mm-hmm. how can we make sure that the millennial and younger generation uh, enjoys gardening and, and buys plants? I want to keep working in horticulture for the next 40 years, so let's make sure there's a, there's a horticulture <laughs> industry. Right, exactly. Uh, and so... He, um, he partnered up with uh, Mason Day, who was doing um, some marketing and communications work for, for one of the brands at Ball, and the two of them set out to, to think about, you know, what is that solution? How do we get millennials interested in gardening? And the industry at the time saw the problem, but they sort of uh, wanted to address it with, put your phone away and come play in the garden, put mm-hmm. technology away and come put into the garden. And so they took a different approach, which was, no, they're on their phones, let's, let's use their phones and then connect them to the garden. Exactly. Yeah. And it's probably going to be a much more successful strategy. We've been in the business a long time, and it is it is an issue, Megan, that has been long time coming. And the millennials are 80 million strong, the biggest population, the biggest generation since the baby boomers, bigger than the boomers. So, uh, you know, when you go to gardening conferences, there's a lot of gray heads. Yeah. And it's really great to try to get, I mean, you have, what did you say, about 200,000 subscribers? 230,000 growing every day. Yeah. So you're just... That's just the tip of the iceberg for right. that generation, you know. It's so. Can you walk us through the app? Tell us what the app can do for us. And of course, Carmen and I both played around with it. Yes. And, but but <laughs> I want to hear from you. Like, what what can the user expect from the app? So a lot of users, when they find us, they did find us because they want a plant identified, and so that's one great component of the app is, uh, you know, say you're a first-time home buyer and you inherited this garden from the previous owners and you don't know what's what. Uh, This could be a great tool. You set up a profile. You take pictures of those plants as uh, Help Me ID, and the community will help you get the right identification to those plants. Right. The uh, mission of the uh, Grow It community is to educate, inspire, and connect. 
And so the, the connection aspect comes from connecting you with plants and people that are near you. Mm-hmm. When you drop into uh, the Explore, which is basically the, the home in Grow It, what you're seeing is people and plants that are within a 75-mile radius of you. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing plants that are going to be successful in your soil and your climate, and you're talking with gardeners that are facing the same conditions that you are. And so you can immediately um, follow and connect with other gardeners. Um, you can explore and see plants. Um, and if you see something that, that looks interesting, you tap into the card, and there you'll you'll able to access all of the planting and care details. So mm-hmm. How much space do you need? What are good companion plants? Uh, in any uh, any of those uh, details as well. And, and if you decide that's something you want to do, uh, you can add those plants to your project and organize all of your um, gardening projects. Oh, that's interesting because I was wondering what the project aspect oh, of was. I right. was trying to understand because Alice and I come from, we're professional garden designers. You know, that's mm-hmm. our day job. And I was wondering what the what the project if it's it's if it's for the home user right the homeowner and not not professionals necessarily I said to myself what projects are they talking about and now I understand is uh, now I get the project aspect of it but let me ask you this Megan so they 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 input a plant or they they get it identified and then it pops up and who inputs the information about how to care for the plant how do you know that that information is correct is it from the app developers or some Somebody on staff that vets that information, or is it completely community-based, where the, you know the community inputs like the care and the height and the bloom time, etc. So all of that information comes from one of our partners, uh, MasterTag. Uh, so MasterTag makes those uh, small little white uh, instructions that you'll find when you buy like a six-pack of perennials. Yes. Okay. Uh, so they have a database of all of this um, rich planting and care information. Okay. And okay. so that's the information that, that we're accessing for the app. Okay. Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. And, and so it was in, I, that was something that was interesting Because I to was, me. as I was looking around, I was actually quite surprised at the level of, De- of good and, informa- and detailed information yeah. versus just, you know, talk kind of in quotes you know what i mean like because there's a lot of bad information out there and opinions i mean to separate fact from Uh opinions Mm -hmm. you know is is important especially if you want to get you want the millennials to succeed because if they fail they're not going to go back to it you know they're going to buy like a plastic plant a fake succulent put it in their (laughs) living room hopefully not hopefully not but do you know what i mean like everything is about speed and you know easy and you know so it's good that there is good information. And so this data now you have, this rich mine of data, that's available to, because the app is free and needs to be paid for itself somehow, you make that available to industry people, I'm guessing, right? Yep, that's correct. Okay. We, want, uh, you know, we want breeders, we want retailers to be carrying the plant selections and color selections that gardeners are asking for and, and that want. And so... We, uh, we hope to be putting better products on the shelf uh, for, for the community and for the industry. And that's smart because if you, you know, if you have data for like a 75-mile radius, right, and you've got garden center A, B, and C, and they're trying to, dis- they're trying to plan out their next season's buys, how many pink impatiens, how many purple petunias versus orange, et cetera, you have that data right mm-hmm. of what people like the best in that area that can that can be shared with the independent garden centers and may have them 
you know, buy better product, buy more of the product that customers want, turn over, buy more, right? Exactly. Okay. So, uh, Megan, stay on the line. We have to take a break. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. That's our community networking <laughs> uh, soundboard. I love right? it. Because now we sound like uh, NPR, like we're in the marketplace. We're talking about plants. Instead of in the booth. Instead of in the booth. What is that called? No, no, Ambient? We, on, we, location. We on, on location. We are on location. Virtual, yeah. virtual yeah. location. Virtual location. So we're talking with uh, Megan Utoven from the app Grow It Mobile. Um, and before the break, we started to talk about garden centers and kind of product um, pushing and trends, so to speak. So tell us, uh, Megan, about the surprise and delight programming that Grow It offers. Sure. So this is something that came from an idea that I brought to Seth uh, the first month that I joined. Uh, in my previous role as a community manager, one of the aspects that we use to activate new members and, and keep people uh, vested in the community journal was, was an opportunity for surprise and delight. So anytime that we could surprise somebody with uh, you know, a giant cheesecake for doing something awesome for the community or a onesie because we learned that they were expecting a baby or, uh, you know, any, any opportunity like that we would leverage. And so I started to talk to Seth about what we could surprise the Grow It community members with. Can we send them seeds? Can we send them plants? Can we send them gardening tools? And that uh, triggered Seth to think about an opportunity for different plant brands to test their products mm -hmm. on uh, growers, you know, gardeners that, that love to garden. So the audience is perfect for, for the plant brands. And uh -huh. so it became a really neat um, opportunity for us to reward members that were active in the community by reaching out and saying, you know, surprise, would you like to test uh, two or three of these really great plants and share the, the growing progress on Grow It and offer your feedback to this plant brand. And of course, 
uh, the members were thrilled to participate, and it gave um, the plant brands really wonderful insights. Yeah, what a boost, right? No, that's great, because it's like trial gardens, except on a sort of spread out across more people because usually they'll try they'll try it with master gardeners they'll send master gardeners uh-huh. new products but that's a really small population of people mm-hmm. you know and and this way they get more demographic information about different zones and regions and what the average gardener can do can the average right. person who may be not as experienced grow this plant uh-huh. are they interested in it so it's it's a it's a very interesting concept Yes, it was fun. So we piloted that this past growing season, and we're going to double the program for 2017. So can anyone that's a member be involved in this program? Because I want to be a pro uh, (laughs) member. (laughs) So we're we're picking members somewhat based on their geographical area, Mm -hmm. who the the plant brand needs to target based on on what the plant is, and then also based on what they're contributing to the community. So are they somebody that's engaging with members and adding photos and, Mm. um, again, vested in the community aspect of Grow It? Mm -hmm. Then those are going to be the people that float to the top of the list for the opportunity. Okay, so my next question then, because this kind of foots right back to it, is... What's the, where geographically is the largest kind of group that you all deal with? Is it the suburban market? Is it rural? Is it urban? Is it Chicago? I know you guys are based in Chicago. So tell us a little bit about the regionalism. Chicago is our biggest market in terms of Grow It members, but we do have members spread all across the U.S. and Canada. We're in over 8,000 cities. Hmm. Uh, we've got an influx around Chicago, I think, because of, of being headquartered here. But we also have uh, a large showing in in Dallas and in Philadelphia and in the Northwest. And, again, adding users every day. So I, I think there's a great mix of uh, we categorize gardening as indoor, patio, or yard. And there's certainly uh, a lot of yard growers are, all across the country, but but we are seeing plenty of, of urban gardeners as well. Right. Well, it's millennial, right? And where are the millennials living? In cities, primarily. So Yeah, and they may not have a yard yet. Their first right. space might be a terrace or a patio, or it might be by choice. They might not want to have that much outdoor space to manage mm-hmm. at first, you know, while they're kind of getting their feet wet, so to speak. And what's the ratio between, like, indoor and patio? The, well, we've got where you can only select one right now, and so mm. that, that oh. information is, is a little bit skewed because I think there's several gardeners that are actually all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our biggest biggest uh, segment there is the yard growers and then the mm. indoor. Okay. Great. That's interesting. I, I would have thought it would be indoor. Me too. You know? Or the patio. Or the or like patio, right. That's very interesting. That's a surprising piece of information. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So some technical things, because Carmen and I spent some time on uh, over the weekend kind of playing around with it. Yeah. And Carmen and I both tried separately, not even talking to each other. Yes. We tried independent of each other to load up. <laughs> some plants that are not in your database. And we 
I had a hard time kind of inserting it into your database. And I'm sure it was something I was doing because I'm a Luddite. I am not. Oh, I would like, not describe you as a Luddite. All that technical. <laughs> but so, like, for instance, Carm, we just did this little project, or this big project, yeah. I should say, about cotton and tobacco and rice. Yes, um, the Garden of Discovery. The Garden of Discovery. So I tried to load up a picture of cotton because it was in, it just opened up here in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Economic plants. Um so I couldn't I couldn't get it in to your system. How does that work, Megan? So the way that works now, we have about 1,600 plant types that are in the database. But if you are adding a plant and it doesn't show up in the pick list, there is a box that pops up that says, uh, plant not found, tell us to add it to the database. Ah. And there's a fuchsia... There's a fuchsia hyperlink on the TELUS, and if you tap that, it will uh, pull up an email template that says, you know, I want to add this plant to the database. The common name is X. The scientific name is Ah. X. Ah. And then any other details. And when you send that, uh, that reaches the Grow It team, which is then evaluated, vetted, and, and added to the database in about seven days. So it's not instant right now. Because oh. Carmen and I are going to flood you with some really Weird freaky plants. plants. <laughs> Get ready, Megan. I already put That's in... Great. But you can put... Um, I was able to put a photo easily. A yeah. Photo and, and tag the plants. And identify some of the plants. Yeah. yeah. So that was easy. So we're able to do that. But it, that doesn't automatically put it in the database then. You guys have well, to... Well, it, t- it wouldn't even let me identify it like I kept trying to identify mm. the cotton okay. and I would put in the common name and then I would put in the Latin name and it would just say do you want us to identify this and I was like no I know I'm trying is. to identify <laughs> it for you but it wouldn't it just kept circling me back so um, and then it you know it brought me to the larger question of how does one get a plant in the database that isn't already there because I would imagine there's a lot of things that people want identification for uh, okay so this is another question say you're out like on a little hike you take a picture of a plant you ask the community members to identify this um and what if it's not there does it just sit in the until somebody can identify it if it's not in the database yeah or if yeah, if it's not in the database, then it then you do have to go through the process of, of tr- asking us to add it to the database. Uh, so we're working on a on a more efficient system for that. But right now, it's it's to follow that hyperlink, or you can always email the whole team at plants at grow at mobile dot com. Okay. Do you get a lot of those? Are people like doing that a lot? We do. We get about seven or eight requests a day. Oh, what's most requested? Do you have an idea on that? No, I don't know necessarily. What's what's interesting and, and the way that we are very careful with the database is we've got a community mix of some, some members that are brand new to gardening and don't know how to identify a hosta or a daylily. Mm-hmm. And then we also have master gardeners and PhDs that you know, <laughs> could tell you the scientific name and the variety and, and a lot of other details. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't 
want to necessarily intimidate the brand new gardeners that we're mm-hmm. trying to bring into the fold. And so, um, you know, we're very careful with the database and trying to be as as helpful but as simple as possible. Sure. And that that's what I loved about it, actually, is it does – it's very enticing as a, as a – as a new gardener, it's very like I was looking. Of course, we're in fall now, so there were so many pictures this weekend of chrysanthemums. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what's this? What's this? What's this? And everyone was chiming in, saying, "Here it is! Here it is! Here it is!" You know. Right, and and also, you know, if you put two obscure plants that people can't can't find, find that's find obnoxious. Them, that, yeah. You know, I mean, it's nice to try to reach for, you know, to try to stretch and try to find things that are different. Um, but most people, I think most people, like you said, like want what works, right? Right. So they'll be successful. Are you working like towards any design garden design trends too with this database? We are enhancing the projects aspect and there may be some garden design aspects of that. Uh, we're going to make projects so they're they're public facing, and so as a garden designer, if you can put a project together, then it would be something that you would be able to share with with your audience on other channels or within Grow It, and be able to ask questions. And then same with retailers or uh, other people that just love to share ideas. You know, mm-hmm. this is a great combination for containers, or this is a great thing to do with a full sun front yard. Um, whatever the case may be, those will start to be shared. So I think there'll be some design aspects. There. Yeah. Are you um, pointing users, consumers into garden centers? Are you saying like within the radius, are you saying like, hey, these three garden centers have these plants? Have you thought about that aspect of it? Mm-hmm. We, we're definitely thinking about it. So we have a lot of garden centers that have profiles on the app and just mm-hmm. engage with the community members. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had, uh, you know, a great story, this, this um, farm stand um, in a, a western suburb here in Chicago called Keller's Farm Stand told us that uh, they had a customer come in and say they've been trying to hunt this plant down for 20 years and never knew <laughs> what the name of it was, but saw it on their profile and didn't even know this farm stand existed. And so it was a really, oh. really fun story about connecting two members and, and obvious a win-win for, for both of those parties. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're certainly thinking, you know, we're definitely encouraging garden centers to come join the community, engage with the audience. These are all people that are interested in your products. That's why they downloaded the app grow it they're mm-hmm. interested in learning more and uh you know next next phase is certainly going to be about facilitating that relationship between uh gardeners and the plants that they want to buy and you also have blog a blog and videos that you uh, produce as part of the app is that right yeah, we have some videos uh, that we target specifically for new members of the community, so they get some demo ideas of, of exactly how to use the app and how they might be able to leverage it. And then we use our blog uh, to to showcase our members. We love to yeah. put the spotlight on them and let them let them show off and uh, you know show tell a story about what they're passionate about. So we'll have um, you know we've had blog posts from tips for carnivorous plants to, um, you know, canning and, and making jam 
to using echinacea as, a, as an herbal mm-hmm. preventative care piece. So it's just it's just a nice channel for uh, again members to be able to show off a little bit about what they know. So it's kind of I mean to make a comparison, it's a little bit kind of like house in, in a way, not exactly, but images sharing images um, amongst the or more like Pinterest perhaps except specifically geared towards plants, right, in a way? Right. There's just, there's just a plant-focused app. So other social channels, you might have to cut out that noise to have such an in-depth conversation on gardening. With right. Grow It, that's all you're going to find is people talking about their gardening journey. And then there's that, that community aspect where you're not right. only vested in your own personal journey, but you want to help others around you. So this is, it's, it's an amazing forum, and the, I chose it because of the community aspect versus some of the other more straightforward plant identification apps that yeah. didn't have this kind of extra, um, it, they didn't have the connection with ball, frankly, because that's, that's what really elevates, I think, and the community aspect of people talking back and forth. Um, What's the future for Grow It Mobile? What's What do you see in five years? Well, we're going to keep cultivating this space for people to talk and, and share in their gardening journey. We alluded to it a little bit. We, we need to start thinking about how we're going to connect our community members to the actual transaction or purchasing of plants, but also facilitating a long-term relationship with garden centers that are that are right in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll continue to do that. Um, and we just want it to be the obvious place where you're going to go when you've got a question about gardening. Yeah. So in the future, do you see, for example, um, people selecting a palette of plants, you know, a collection of plants, and then having the garden center just deliver it, kind of like Seamless does with food. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think, Megan? Is that, is that in the future? Possibly. Possibly. I'll share the idea, certainly. You could buy this garden design online. It's the Ikea version. Well, I mean, if it works for food, exactly. you know, it right. can certainly, now, now, of course, there aren't as many garden centers per square mile as there are uh, takeout places, right, but right. maybe, maybe, I mean, this is just like kind of a long shot, and I'm just you know, thinking off the cuff here, but maybe it'll change the way garden centers are built, designed. Maybe there'll be smaller, fewer, more curated ones, rather than big ones that are trying to be all things to all people. I eat know? Home Depot. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> if, you know, it's, you know, these are not, millennials are not shopping the way their parents no. and grandparents are at the garden centers. They don't, they're just not doing it. It's different. Yeah. You know, so the retail space has to change too, I think. Yeah. And with the analytics and, and interesting trends that they can get from Grow It, I think they'll be able to pivot to the trends that we're identifying faster too. So yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's that they're this, right now, but they know, you know, next year they might have to jump and do this. Right, right. Well, it's a great market um, and business plan. It really is really awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and for um, introducing our listeners to your product. Um, and I can't wait to start using it more. And um, it's going to be fun. Be more engaged with it. It's a really great app. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Find me on the app. My username is Megan Yu, M-E-G-A-N-U, uh, and we look forward to, to collaborating in the community. Great. Well, see you in the virtual garden. And Megan, <laughs> if you come 
to New York. We'd love to yeah. meet you and yeah. meet you in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I I would love that. Yes, let's make a plan. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Thanks for joining us on Facebook. We dig plants. Uh, Groundworks Inc. On Instagram, Groundworks Gardens NYC. And on Twitter, We Dig Plants. We have a new website, WeDigPlantsPodcast.com. And thank you for joining us today. we got to get back to some mum planting. That's right. <laughs> Mum's the word. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.